Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Taking a walk. I've been through some really difficult stuff to the point where I, I sort of had to reprioritize like what was important to me and, and what kept me grounded through it all. And I think it actually took like being in those difficult situations where I was able to like take a step back and realize like these are the things that keep me grounded these are the things that make me happy my life is not the music industry my life is not the entertainment industry that's my job welcome to the taking a walk podcast music history on foot with your host buzz knight buzz talks with musicians and insiders about their work new projects and their love of music Today, Buzz walks and talks with actor and musician Kevin Quinn. Kevin has multiple roles in movies on Netflix and Disney, among others. And he's releasing new music on Capital Music Group called The Real Me. His work merges pop and inspirational with a transparent look at his own life challenges. Let's join Buzz Knight and Kevin Quinn next on Taking a Walk. Well, Kevin Quinn, it's so great to be in person with you taking a walk here in Nashville. Yeah, it's kind of a gloomy day. I hate to say it, though. I don't think it's so gloomy if I'm in the moment with you. Hey, I feel the same way. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, you've had an amazing journey. You continue to have an amazing journey. Let's talk about it first from uh, your acting perspective. Tell me about all the many projects you have worked on as an actor. Oh man, uh, where do I start? I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, so my first like professional gig was with a theater company in downtown Chicago called Steppenwolf Theater. 
And, you know, I'd been doing acting, like, in community theater and at school. I was 16 at the time, and I booked this gig at Steppenwolf, which is owned by Gary Sinise. If you've ever seen Forrest Gump, sure. he plays Lieutenant Dan. Yes. Um, and he still runs the theater, I believe. So I had a gig there, and then that led to a gig at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, where I did Henry V. And that was a tough one for me. Like, I was, again, 16, and I had to, they brought in, like, a French coach because the character spoke some French, and he was British, though, so he was speaking French with, like, a British accent. It was really a difficult role. Um, But it, like, really upped my game. And that led to catching the attention of some casting directors in the Chicago area. I did a stint on Chicago PD, Uh, Shameless on Showtime and then I told my parents I was like mom dad I want to move out to Los Angeles and you know like take a I guess you could call it a gap year at that time I was like I'll go out there for a few months at the most and I'll I'll put college to the side for a minute and see if I can make a living doing this and lo and behold I get to Los Angeles and I book my first audition (laughs) so then I'm on a plane to Vancouver I had this Airbnb booked for like three months, which is how long I was going to stay there. And I was using the money on this fi- that I was making on this film in Vancouver to actually pay for the Airbnb back in LA as it sat there unattended. <laughs> Something but, ironic about that. I know, right? <laughs> um, but then that led to a screen test for a show called Summer Camp on the Disney Channel, which became bunked. I did that for two years, moved to Los Angeles full time. And then that led to other film roles. I did a movie called Canal Street. I did A Christmas Love Story with Kristen Chenoweth. Um, I did Hubie Halloween with Adam Sandler. I did another stage production at Pasadena Playhouse. I did another show on NBC with Mindy Kaling, Mindy Kaling, sorry. And um, I don't know, I've been kind of working ever since. And then I did A Week Away, which kind of gave me a chance to go back to my music career. Uh, And so now I've been kind of like focusing on that for the time being and, you know, I still audition and stuff, but it's really great because the the acting sort of led to an opportunity to like revisit the music, you know? So who are the musical influences that have had the most, you know, profound impact for you, um, you know, as a fan or as, you know, maybe musical mentors? Yeah. I mean, when I was... Oh, listener, the uh, we are being redirected by a construction crew <laughs> for standing in the way. You know what? It's a real walk, so that happens. Yeah, I love it. Um, no, I mean, my dad used to spin, like, Bruce Springsteen and the Beatles on his vinyl collection, on his record player. And that got me inspired, like just what really good music could be and I think I kind of turned it inwards like thinking almost like putting myself in their shoes like if I were to do something like this what would that look like you know and if I wrote like a let it be by the Beatles like could I ever do what Paul McCartney does and look I I don't think I I don't know if I would ever be able to pull that off but like it certainly showed me what good songwriting looks like and and how good music should sound. And I think that was the basis of, you know, like they're, they're my deep influences. And then from there, it led to becoming infatuated with people like 
John Mayer where he sort of speaks through his guitar as if, you know, he's got great vocals, but his guitar is really just as much a vocal in his music. Or like John Legend was another one. Uh, his album Love in the Future is one of my favorite albums ever. Um, Ed Sheeran was another as I got older in high school I really started to appreciate Ed Sheeran so there's there's a bunch of different artists um, but I think it all stems back to what my dad showed me and his musical tastes I think it, I was very impressionable at the time and it, it, it shaped my own influences and as you've been spending time in Nashville there's got to be some people either on the songwriting community or just in general with this very generous music community uh, that have made an impact? Any any folks that uh, you want to highlight? There are a lot. I Honestly, the entire Nashville music community, um, they've embraced me and they've been so supportive. And, you know, if I hit up anyone in Nashville, they're like, yeah, I want to do a session with you. And the fact that, like, my music and who I am is being so well received and that they have that you know, support and respect for me as an artist is really flattering um, that they would give up their time and their and their busy schedules to write with me. Um, I mean, there's a lot of them. Um, Sean Cook, he's based in L.A., but he comes to Nashville a lot. Uh, he executive produced Real Me, really talented guy. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Tranny Anderson, Dallas Wilson, um, who else? Abby Seiler. Um, there, yeah, I mean, I could go on. It's Bailey Hager. There's, there's a lot of people, you know. And it really, as, we, as we're looking here over the pedestrian bridge over Nashville, great views of it. Um, I mean, this city is, is changing, you know, certainly, uh, you know, with all of the new population coming in constantly. But at its core, it's still this very generous uh, community. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of funny. My, my music manager, Gabe Vasquez, he was saying he, he's been here since 1996. And like we were, I was doing another interview this morning and he was like, what year were you born, Kevin? I said, 1997. So I, you know, we put together the dots. He's been in Nashville longer than I've been alive. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I was living here before it was cool. And um, it's true, like, I think it, it's just grown so much and I don't know, it, it, some things never change. It's like, yes, a lot has changed, but for me, it still has like the same spirit. I see him talk about it in, in the same way as if it's, it still has the same spirit that it did back then. So like I said, you know, some things never change. Um, and there is like a new population coming in, which is just so interesting to me. A lot of Californians. <laughs> I hear it's Californians, New Yorkers. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised though. I'm trying to think the other one, maybe Floridians. Yeah. You know, yeah. I heard those, those three in particular. But, um, and Taylor's from Florida. There you go. <laughs> Taylor from your label. Yeah, t he's, listener, he's standing uh, on the bridge with us here, he's hanging out. He's making sure we're not saying anything in incorrect exactly. or inflammatory. Yeah. You could say anything, but I know you're not <laughs> gonna say anything inflammatory for sure. Um, where do you get the wisdom that you have, you know, of your years? Oh, 
I'm, I appreciate you saying that. I, that's a, a nice compliment. Um, you know, I don't know. I've, I feel like weirdly I've had a lot of life experience just being in a unique position in the music and entertainment industries, particularly young. Um, and it's forced me to do a lot of growing. And at the same time, I've also had to like prioritize what makes me happy. And I've been through some really difficult stuff to the point where I, I sort of had to reprioritize like what was important to me and and what kept me grounded through it all. And I think it actually took like being in di those difficult situations where I was able to like take a step back and realize like these are the things that keep me grounded. These are the things that make me happy. My life is not the music industry. My life is not the entertainment industry. That's my job. And after five o'clock, when it's done for the day, I go back to a very different life than what people may see on camera or in my hear in my music. And that's just the way I like to keep it. And I think it actually contributes to my ability to stay grounded and be wise and sort of maybe that's the wisdom that you're referring to is well i get a sense instantly too of uh your sense of gratitude that you have um and gratitude either in a moment or where you are in your career um which once again i think um doesn't come to many folks at least right away um where did you get your sense of gratitude I think I was raised right. <laughs> um, I, I hate to say it, it's just, I think it's my parents. They've just, I mean, they always like, from a time that we were at a very young age, I, I have a twin sister and I remember like we'd be in public and anytime like, you know, a stranger, like, like for instance, if we were on a flight, right? And the flight attendant was like, would you like a ginger ale, sweetheart? And we'd be like, yes, please or we didn't say please, right? My parents would be like, what do you say? Yes, please, you know, and, and what else do you say? Thank you. It, it was like, that's the way my parents raised me is to appreciate what other people do, even if it's just the little things. And um, at the same time, I, I am working on being more selfless. And um, that's something I think that anyone can always work on because there's always room to be more selfless. Um, but I, I really appreciate you saying that and I am learning to live more a life of gratitude um, and it's it's not always easy because sometimes I, I feel like well maybe I maybe there's something else that I could have that I don't have right now you know um, or maybe or these desires or wishes get ahead of me but at the same time like that's kind of what blessed was about actually like noticing those little blessings where, you know, even if you want something in, in the future or you feel like you don't have something now, flip the coin and say, well, look what I do have. That was the inspiration for it. We'll be right back with more of the Taking a Walk podcast. Welcome back to the Taking a Walk podcast. Well, but so let's talk about, you know, the new project and let's talk about um, your transparency that you're putting out there in terms of some of the things that you've faced. Um, first of all, how can you be transparent as you are? Uh, and then talk about it through the songs that will be, you know, yeah. coming out. So the cool thing about Real Me 
is it's the, let me say this, the last EP that I did, It's About Time, it felt like each of those songs kind of lived on their own and they were sort of put together in an EP. Whereas Real Me feels like an advancement in my artistry and my songwriting abilities where it tells a cohesive story. And the track listing is even reflective of that. Um, I mean, it starts with the song Real Me and that's sort of talking about this identity crisis which I actually went through. Like, it's hard being myself, easy to be someone else and not the real me. And then it moves into, um, I think the second song is, I don't remember what the second song is, but my point is it, it tells a cohesive story from song to song where it's like, you know, eventually it moves to the highs and then it moves to the lows and then the really lows and then, oh, things are starting to look up, up again and by way up, you know, the sixth track, it's like, that's a song about like, hey, I've been down, now I'm way up, you know, things are starting to look up and then Give You Up is the way it ends is, is sort of like, um, you know, it's kind of like, something so good, a love that's so good that you don't want to ever give it up. And I leave it, like that song ends open-ended, like we don't resolve the melody on purpose because I want it to be interpreted as the journey is never over. Like you don't ever want to give this up and if you end the melody or resolve the melody implies that it's done, you know? Um, so I, I forgot what your original question was though. It was... Well, uh, transparency yeah. about sharing and being, oh, yeah. being open and then obviously transferring to you know your your new project right um, all that, well all that to say it's I think that's the point I'm trying to make in terms of transparency which is like this is telling a co the, the album is telling a cohesive story and it's sharing these vulnerable parts of of this story that I I just feel like I have something to say that I've in a way that I've never had something to say before, you know, and it's kind of like, like this is a bit of a comeback for me, you know, because I took that time off to focus on, you know, my mental health or whatever, and now it's like I get an opportunity to be the most transparent that I've ever been in this project, and I think that once the listener hears it, they're going to see just how vulnerable it is and how open I am in sharing this story. And it must be terribly exhilarating to you knowing that by you putting yourself out there that your audience will engage with it, connect with it, and maybe you're helping somebody else. Yeah. Oh, that's the dream. Like, I honestly, I've shifted my priorities and what I expect of my music, too. Like, I had this dream in the music industry. I mean, I still have it to an extent that, like, of course I want to play these big shows and sell out venues and and you know tour and like that's all fine and great but like the emphasis that I'm placing more in why I'm doing this now after going through this journey is that I want to like help change lives and like help people who really need it and some of the music that I've been releasing lately like even as I released this song blessed which is the first one on the project it's like the message is I think people know it's about mental health because I've been open about it but the messages that I get from like fans on Instagram or Cameo, they're like thanking me and talking about how this like changed their life for X, Y, and Z, or how they're really using this to cope with something else that's going on in their lives. And for me, like that is the most 
fulfilling thing that we can be doing as artists in the music industry, you know? Like what, what is more important than changing someone's life for the better or, or improving or helping someone to make their life better? Um, I just, I feel like even if I don't sell out the venues or whatever at this point, like, of course I want to perform for people, but like, as long as I know that my music is being received and listened to and like it's affecting people the way that it has thus far, I, I could stop it tomorrow and, and die happy knowing I did all that I could, you know? Well, we want to get you on our other podcast that we have called Music Save Me, and, um, my question about music and what it does to people is do you believe music has you know healing powers oh yeah oh yeah music is music is god's universal language you know i mean what there's 192 200 languages on planet earth and we're each only fluent in one or two at the most right um and yet music, like, it doesn't matter the genre, it doesn't matter where you're from, it doesn't discriminate, right? It's, anyone can listen to any type of music and be affected in some type of way because it's, it's a universal language that is easily interpretable by anyone. And we're all hearing the same thing, right? Um, and it doesn't require words, it just requires sounds and emotions and feelings. I think that's, I think that's so healing, you know? Um, I just feel like it, it, it brings up like connection in a way that nothing else in the world has the ability to connect like that. I mean, maybe something else, but I can't think of anything as quickly as I think music has the potential to do that. That's just me. No, I think you're right. I, I think, uh, the beauty of what you're saying, um, at a time where we need more great stories is such a wonderful story you know yeah you're coming at this with such you know of a genuine authenticity um it's just really beautiful to see oh thank you yeah i i think authenticity is a key word for me on this project um you know i that's also why i named this the album real me because I, in the song Real Me, like I said, I'm talking about identity struggles and, and as if the world is wanting me to be something that I'm not and that it, it finally takes me like submitting to the fact that I, I want to be my most authentic self and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be unapologetically myself. But what's interesting is that it started coming up as a reference in other songs too. like. I'm Not There Yet, um, the next single that is coming out in December. There's a lyric where it's like, um, every time I wander off the path, you always lead me back to where I belong. And I know it's, um, forgetting the lyric, I know, na, 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 see, it's the real me. <laughs> No, I, I, I have to look at the lyrics. It's been a while since oh, I sang it back. No. But, Thank you for that. But it, there's an example there, right? Where it's like, again, this real me reference comes up where it's like, somehow the idea of being unapologetically myself comes into the writing on that song too. And um, there was another song on the album too. Um, there's three songs that talk about the reference of real me. 
I can't remember what the third one is. I'd have to listen back. But again, the point is it kept coming up in the writing set in the writing sessions for each of these songs. I was like, this has to be the name of the album. This is a consistent theme. Um, so that's why I named it Real Me because it sort of epitomizes this common thread of the story and what I went through into one, you know, like overarching theme. So in closing, as somebody who has faced your own challenges with issues around you know, mental health issues, what do you want to tell the audience that they should know that people who are dealing with their own crisis or issues, uh, you know, maybe can't get out to others. What do you What do you want people to know about those that are facing uh, challenges like that? Yeah. Look, I mean, the truth is, what I went through. I call it mental health, um, but it doesn't need a label. I just went through what everyone goes through at some point of their lives. You know, I'm still young. I'm 26 where I feel like I was dealing with issues of identity and who am I in the great big world and the great big scheme of things? Or, you know, what is my purpose in life? And what's working in my life and what's not? And if it's not working, how do I change that? These are super existential questions that can, you know, if not answered or given the attention that they deserve, can cause these issues of sadness or depression, you know, universal emotions that we all experience, right? So sure, the label is mental health, but I think that beyond the label or whatever you call it, they're just these universal feelings of having to go through the hardships of life and that we all go through those questions at some point of our lives. And how could that not be more relatable, you know? Um, so the fact that I get to share it in my music is just, is important to me because I found my peace and I found my resilience and my resolve and my solace in going through that journey. And like I said, I can confidently say that it, it changed my life for the better and it changed my life forever. Um, to the point that I don't think I'll have to go through it again because it's done now. But if I can use this music to inspire other people who may be struggling with those same questions or issues to feel like they're not alone in, in those issues, then how that's beautiful you know and i i think that's a, a gift that i have this opportunity with you know capital cmg and an opportunity with uh, the record that i made to get that message out to the masses and let it be heard by as many people as possible who who need to hear it so that's that's my hope congratulations on it and uh i love your soul Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to meet Buzz. Thank it means a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Taking a Walk podcast. Share this and other episodes with your friends and follow us so you never miss an episode. Taking a Walk is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 